Recently, I opened up a question box on Instagram stories on what topics you'd like to hear Neil and me cover on this podcast. The most repeated request, talk about self-esteem. I get it. It's so hard to know how to find a source of true confidence in a constantly changing world that seems to want to beat us down day after day. Today, we're going to share our thoughts on this topic and many that are not our own from those wiser than we are and my perfect formula for having self-worth that has never, ever let me down. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Neil tonight. Hello. And we're going to talk about a topic that was brought up multiple times a few days ago when I asked my Instagram family um, what topic you would like us to talk about on the podcast. And I said, you know, let me know if there are any topics that you would like us to discuss. And the topic of self-esteem came up over and over again, not just once or twice, but I was astounded to see it pop up multiple times. And it's something that Neil studied recently. So Neil, why don't you talk about that? Yeah. Um, well, I think in just in general, I love like when I ride my bike in the morning, I'll, I'll do a mountain bike ride and I've been listening to these conference talks. And um, so going- that's a conference talk. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, it's just our church leaders of our church will get together every six months and um, just kind of have a- uh, call a general conference where these leaders of our church will speak on different topics that are, you know, kind of pertinent to, you know, inspiration or direction that they're feeling. And one that stood out to me and that I think is, can be, it almost can be so subtle, but, but overlooked is this, this concept of self-esteem. And I think that there's such a struggle with it. And oftentimes I know I don't realize you know, at the core of that, what, just how much that affects everything that, that we do or that I do. And so in putting together, you know, I've been teaching, uh, some, some youth in our church and I'm putting together these, these lessons for seminary. And, um, one of them recently had to deal with this topic of self-worth. And I just, there were a couple of, of quotes from leaders of our church who have spoken in these general conferences that really stood out to me. And, um, that I just felt like we needed to talk about, and it ended up being like a really powerful and impactful lesson, um, that kind of caught me off guard. I, I honestly, I felt really off my game as like a teacher, um, or, or, you know, going into this day teaching about this lesson, I just wasn't, just wasn't on my game. And then there was another leader of our church that kind of actually sat in on this lesson. So I'm like, oh man. Not like just like a leader. A leader, like the, well, the stake president stat, uh, sat in. So it's kind of like the... Um, Did he give you a warning? Did he like call you the night before? No. Or? I was wondering, I'm like, am I in trouble? Did I, I was wondering if I did something wrong. Um, but he just, he showed up and I think he was just kind of popping in on a few lessons and, and that hadn't happened before. And so I felt super unprepared with this lesson. Um, I did try and take the time to really ponder and pray about it and think about it. But I just, I just wasn't feeling it. I was having an off day. And then he came in and, and sat in on this and I was like, man, I'm super nervous, but, but it was really powerful. And they just had a really cool experience in sharing some of these, a couple of these quotes that I, I just wanted to talk about from leaders of our church. Well, and what I thought was the most interesting part of that story was when you shared that he was able to give some comments that were 
really impactful. And I think that sometimes when things don't come together or I'm trying to prepare for something and it's just not coming together or a certain part of it doesn't exactly gel or mesh or whatever you want to call it, it's probably because, you know, the Lord has a different purpose. And so when you told me that story and said that he showed up and then had some comments that were perfect for the lesson and specifically things that maybe only he could have added in that special way, it was like, well, of course he would be the type of person that is led by the spirit to show up to your class on that particular day and add his two cents that were really, really impactful on this particular topic of self-esteem or self-worth. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think after the fact, it was easier to see it like that, like, oh, but it, it, there is a little bit of irony in that. Like I'm, you know, talking about self-worth and value. Then I'm like in a situation where I'm not kind of struggling and am I, man, am I prepared? Am I, am I good you know, enough? Am I good enough? <laughs> so ironically, um, this actually, this quote that I wanted to share and start out with, that is the name of the talk. The talk is called, am I good enough? Will I make it? And this is a leader in our church, uh, Devin Cornish. And he was actually a doctor, by the way. And he, he tells this really cool story about um, being a doctor, being in residency and really struggling and then having an experience where a senior resident came up to him and gave him some, you know, like a vote of confidence and encouragement at a really tough time and how that impacted him. But he says something really powerful here. And I've thought a lot about after hearing this talk and thinking about it really made a lot of sense to me um, because I think that one of the things that is a struggle for me and, and for a lot of people that, you know, I come in contact with or that just friends or whatnot is with comparison, um, either just not living up to our own expectations or what we think um, others expect of us or whatever community at large, um, you know, that there's, there's kind of a standard of some sort that we're comparing ourselves to or directly to other people and, and how damaging that can be. Um, and so this is what, what Devin Corner says about it. He says, please, my beloved brothers and sisters, we must stop comparing ourselves to others. We torture ourselves needlessly by competing and comparing. We falsely judge our self-worth by the things we do or don't have and by the opinions of others. If we must compare, let us compare how we were in the past to how we are today and even to how we want to be in the future. The only opinion of us that matters is what our Heavenly Father thinks of us. Please sincerely ask him what he thinks of you. He will love and correct but never discourage us. That is Satan's trick. Let me be direct and clear. The answers to the questions, am I good enough and will I make it, are yes, you are going to be good enough, and yes, you are going to make it, as long as you keep repenting and do not rationalize and rebel. So really cool um, quote. That, that just struck me. What the, Really, the part that I love is if you're going to draw a comparison, compare yourself to how you once were to where you are now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's so much power in that because that immediately sparks, at least for me, a lot of gratitude because I, I can look back and I can see God's hand in my life and I see blessings and I, I look at the progress that I made and it's really clear to me that it's not because of, you know, yeah, obviously there's agency, there's hard work, there's things that I did, but I really feel like it was God 
directing my life and putting things in place for me. And it immediately instills a lot of confidence in faith and trust in God. Um, and, and that fear of comparison and not measuring up just goes away. Right. And I think that trust, I think it's so key to see the parallel between trust in God and true self-esteem because they go hand in hand. So when you're really trusting in God and you're making that connection with him every day through prayer and scripture study and really getting that self-worth through a connection with God or your higher power, that's where you feel that real self-esteem that it doesn't matter what other people think or where their measuring stick is or even your own worldly measuring stick as far as do I measure up to this person or am I good enough for that person or or that social circle or, you know, did I make it onto, you know, as far as I think back to the times when I struggled the very, very most with self-esteem for sure were like the middle school and early high school days where I felt like I was just lost in a sea of trying to figure out where I fit in and who I fit in with and who I was good enough for. And the times that I felt the most self-esteem and the, were when I was most connected to God, for sure. Like I think back on times when my testimony of Jesus Christ really grew. And those were the times that like filled with the spirit, I just knew that I was Heavenly Father's daughter and that I was good enough. And I think back on the times that I felt like I just wasn't sure and I was trying to figure out where I fit in. And it was the exact opposite, like not having faith in God. And and like you said, that word fear, that's such a connecting word too with, for me, with feeling lost and a loss of self-esteem, feeling that fear and uncertainty and insecurity, like all of those things kind of go together for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I think that when we're, I love how he says that's that's Satan's trick because I I mean I do believe that there is an adversary there's forces that are are opposed to us that are against us that's kind of the the trick of the adversary is to is to put us in that fear and into that comparison game and and it just can be such a spiral for us um so I I love that and and I think there was another maybe another quote here that that really um, so there is, and maybe you can talk, speak to this a little bit, explain this. So this is from the women's conference in October 17 that our church does. Like what, maybe explain what, what that is. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know what talk you're going to bring up, I'm but surprise you. <laughs> uh, each, well, no, it's not each general conference. It's once a year. So every other general conference we have, it's such a treat. We get to hear from the women in our church who are leaders and that, that comprises of the General Relief Society Presidency, the General Young Women's Presidency, and the General Primary Presidency. And they're all over either the women of the church, which the Relief Society is the largest women's group in the world. And I I feel so blessed and grateful to be part of that largest women's organization in the world. And then the Young Women's Organization is for the teen youth group age, um, age group of women in the church. And then the primary is all of the children in our church. And so these women get to speak on topics like charity and compassion and service and 
all kinds of things. And then we also hear from some of the men in our church too, like prophets and apostles who speak directly to women. And it's one of my very favorite things that I look forward to because we get specific messages tailored for the women in our church. Which subsequently um, the general conference is coming up first week in April. So by the time this drops, it'll be... Uh, maybe a, a few days before. So mm-hmm. super cool opportunity to jump in. But this uh, this quote was from Joy D. Jones. She's the was uh, at the time. I don't know if she still is the primary general president um, of church. But really cool quote. What she says here and makes a, a pretty powerful distinction that I think is is really important. Um, she says, "Let me point out the need to differentiate between two critical words: worth." and worthiness. They're not the same. Spiritual worth means to value ourselves the way Heavenly Father values us, not as the world values us. Our worth is determined by before we ever come to this earth. God's love is infinite and it it will endure forever. On the other hand, worthiness is achieved through obedience. If we sin, we are less worthy, but we are never worth less. We continue to repent and strive to be like Jesus with our worth intact. She goes on to say, um, despite this marvelous truth, how many of us struggle from time to time with negative thoughts or feelings about ourselves? I do. It's an easy trap. Satan is the father of all lies, especially when it comes to misrepresentations about our own divine nature and purpose. Thinking small about ourselves does not serve us well. Mm -hmm. Instead, it holds us back. As we've often been taught, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. We can stop comparing our worst to someone else's best. Comparison is the thief of joy. Um, so a lot. Right? What are, what kind of does that trigger for you? That's it a, is a lot. lot. And I think the the line about no one can make you feel inferior without your consent is one of those super seems like way more easily said than done. Because we've all felt inferior, especially if someone else says or does something that makes you feel kind of stupid or, um, and sometimes it's totally not on purpose. You know, I, someone shared in my smaller women's group today, I loved this thought. She's, we were talking about forgiveness, but she said, you know, we all take turns hurting and being hurt. And, you know, it's so important to forgive and to accept that forgiveness. And she was talking more about forgiveness, but it just really, the way she said it really made me think about, yeah, we do all take turns making mistakes. And there are things that I've done that I know have made people feel inferior and vice versa. I think that the greatest armor you can put on is that spiritual armor of really, really making a very strong connection with heaven all of the time. Um, because it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel hurt or that you're not going to have those moments where someone says or does something that might make you feel inferior. But I think it's the choice to just sit and wallow in those feelings or to really take them on and identify with them and start to feel like this is my new identity. I am this person. I am less than. I am whatever someone either said directly or indirectly about me or made me feel or whatever. If you are making those constant heavenly connections through prayer and scripture study and trying to listen to the voice of the Lord, 
then he can tell you what's truth and not truth. Because sometimes, as we've talked about on the podcast, when we talked about divine discontent a few episodes ago, you know, there are times when even the Lord himself in the scriptures will kind of redirect people. He will help them see. And I think sometimes we can misread those, you know, gentle or sometimes not so gentle prompts to change as, you know, someone that's, that offends me or that's offensive or, you know, that's making me feel less than or inferior and how dare they. And sometimes those gentle prompts to do better are with love or they're good for us to see like, oh, I actually do need to correct this mistake because we're here to learn. We're here to grow and learn and get better. And we have to have that correction. But at the same time, if you have that really strong connection with heaven and with your heavenly parents and with the scriptures and with the atonement of Jesus Christ and all of those things, then it's never in a voice of, of shame and of, oh, now you're worthless. You're this like, and that's what Satan wants us to feel, right? Like, oh, like why even try? You're just such a worthless piece of crap or you're just, you know, you're, you think you're something? No, you're nothing. That's what the playing small part is that you talked about. And our Heavenly Father wants us to feel the exact opposite. He wants us to feel sometimes that need to change or to course correct or whatever, but it is always done in love. It's always like, I see your potential and I want you to reach it. I want you to do better. I want you to be able to be exactly who I see you can be. And that's like, if you are a parent, you know that about your child, or if you have ever worked with someone that's younger than you. And you can see like, you know, even with little Harry, like I see him standing up and wobbling and I'm like, he is going to be walking so soon. And he falls all the time. He falls and he cries and it is so sad. I think he's the most so far of all of our kids, just accident prone. The poor kid cries multiple times a day from just falling down and hurting himself. But I see the how strong he is already. At He's the earliest to attempt to stand up and want to walk, for sure, of all of our kids. And I see his potential to be strong and strong-willed and smart and want to walk and want to achieve those things. And um, our Heavenly Father sees that within us too. He sees what we can be spiritually and intellectually and within our communities and in all of our circles where we have influence. And he wants us to be the best version of ourselves. And so when we have those prompts to do better or to be better, it should never be in a, oh, you're just like, you think you're something? No, you're actually nothing. It should be the opposite. You know that it's coming from Heavenly Father when it's it's that like, Hey, stand up. Try again. I know you can do better. Let's keep going. One thing that I'm thinking of while you're talking is the concept of, of validation and where do you turn to get validated? self-validation obviously we can you know we can validate ourselves or others can validate us but if we're relying on others or outside forces or things um, those things can also invalidate us and I think so much of what the spiritual strength that I found is is looking to God for that validation 
and setting up a, a daily routine or some way that I can connect with that, with his power through prayer or meditation or reading scriptures or listening to inspiring talks or, you know, reaching out to others' service. There's all these different things that that can set up that connection. And that's true validation. That's true love of God. Otherwise, seeking validation from other things, that's like the beginnings of an addiction. <laughs> that's how um, I myself and, and a bunch of people that I know, like, you know, you look to other sources um, and it becomes a very negative thing very quickly. Well, even if you're not an addict too, I have struggled with that wanting validation from a boyfriend or from my parents or from, and sometimes these are good things like, you know, having validation from my parents. Of course, that's good. Like for a child to want to be pleasing into their parents, that's like biblical. But if that's your only source of self-esteem and self-worth, then they are going to fail you because they're imperfect, you know, in the same way that we're going to fail our kids, where I say to Annabelle and Lila all the time, have I done anything recently to make you not feel loved? And I'm so sorry. And tell me what it is. And I want to do better. And because I know I'm not a perfect mother and I know I do things to make them feel less than sometimes. But if we go back to the analogy of Harry and Harry's so easy to love because he's like 10 months old and he's this just adorable little baby and he's standing up and, you know, let's say that as he's trying to stand up and hold on to a piece of furniture that maybe the dog walks by him and knocks him over and he cries. But if, if we're standing by and we're close and we can see him and we gently pull him back up and say, Hey buddy, it's okay. Keep going. And we're that constant touch point. Then he's going to know, Oh yeah, it's okay. Mom and dad are here. And they're saying, you know, that, that I can do it. And then maybe Millie runs by him and kind of shoves him over or something and he cries and he feels kind of pushed down or put down. And then, you know, you walk by and you pick him back up and say, Hey, it's okay, little buddy, like keep going. That's what you have to imagine with, you know, again, I I just feel like we have to go back to that one last time of the, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. We're all human. So we're all going to have times where someone's going to push us down or knock us down. It's going to be, you know, big sister running by and knocking us over the dog brushing next to us or, or whatever. Maybe there's some ill intent. Maybe there's not, but there are going to be people and influences and other things that will make us feel inferior. But it's do we stay there or do we make that constant connection with Heavenly Father where he can be like, hey, Corinne, it's okay. Get back up. I know you. I know what you're capable of. Let's do this. And that's what you're talking about with having that validation from on high that is just so solid. And when we talked about this topic, I said, I've got one solid thing to bring to the table. And that is my favorite, favorite, favorite talk, Beware of Pride. Ezra Taft Benson, 1989. If you're someone like me and you like to listen to or watch talks, this is a talk that I love to listen to. I mean, I love to read it and study it and mark it up. And I try to read it once a month because it's just my favorite and it's truly a reset button for me. But I also love to listen to it because Gordon B. Hinckley, who is just one of my heroes, reads this talk because President Benson was not feeling well. And that's just kind of a side note, but I love to hear President Hinckley's voice reading this, but he says, 
um, and this was Ezra Chaff Benson's words, he wrote this. He said, the proud depend on the world to tell them whether they have value or not. Their self-esteem is determined by where they are judged to be on the ladders of worldly success. They feel worthwhile as individuals if the numbers beneath them in achievement, talent, beauty, or intellect are large enough. Pride is ugly. It says, if you succeed, I am a failure. I've seen that so many times where I think, I mean, I hate to be sexist about this, but I see it more with women than with men. And maybe that's just because I'm a woman and I'm in these female circles, but I see women get really um, jealous and judgmental and kind of feel like, well, yeah, if, if this person succeeds, then that means that I failed. And and that's just not Heavenly Father's way. That is so one of one of Satan's many, many, many tricks in his book. And, you know, this is this is my go-to when I want to know how to have self-esteem. This is it. This is the formula. Are you ready for it? He says, if we love God, do his will, and fear his judgment more than men's, we will have self-esteem. And to me, what this is all about is going to bed at night knowing that I'm square with God. And so many times in my life, I, in the past, before I did the 12 steps, really that was the turning point for me. Before I did the 12 steps, before I did my inventory and cleaned house, as they say in AA, um, there were just some things that I was afraid of anyone finding out about my past. There were things that I was ashamed of, things that... You know, we nobody gets through life without making mistakes. And I, like every other human, had made some. And so there were just things that kind of haunted me a little bit. And each of these things had been discussed with the bishop before, which is our way of, you know, if you're Catholic, you speak to your priest. If you're a member of our church, you speak to your bishop about certain sins or things that misdeeds that you need to clear up. But there still was something lingering to me about did I clear that up well enough? Was I thorough enough? Did I really, really clean that up well enough or whatever? And it just bothered me for years and years. And then when I did the 12 steps and I did my step four, which was making that inventory list, and then step five, which was talking to a bishop about all of it, on my list, I had fears, resentments, and misdeeds. And on my list of fears was that I would not be able to be with my family forever in heaven because there were just sins that I wasn't willing to make square with God. And that that truly was my greatest fear in life. And then when I did that step five and I talked through every single thing on my list with my bishop who had what we believe are priesthood keys to be able to basically be a righteous judge and um, tell me that I was forgiven in the same way that someone who's Catholic believes that their Catholic priest has those keys to be able to forgive them or to, you know, tell them that they're all good. Uh, I, I walked out of there and I kind of wasn't sure how well it had gone. But then when I sat down with my sponsor um, about a week later and we went through my list of fears I just cried. I cried tears of relief knowing when I got to that number one fear that it was no longer a fear anymore. I didn't fear that I wasn't square with God because I knew I had done everything I needed to do to clear that up for me, for my own clear conscience, for my own religious personal belief that I had done what I needed to do to be square with God. 
And there's just literally nothing else like that that can take its place. Having that perfect, just brightness of hope and of that true self-esteem, knowing that you are okay with God and that you made things right in your own way. And so this is my perfect formula for self-esteem is to go back and say, do I know I'm right with God? Have I done everything to get square with him? And if I can say yes, then I can sleep well at night. And that's that's my formula for having true self-esteem. But what would you say, Neil? I would say the same thing is looking to God for that validation. And then and there still is an element. I mean, even even in knowing that and and trying to apply that principle, there's still a temptation where you forget that you forget that concept right. and you go back out into the world and you know, there's just measuring sticks left and right and, and there's that temptation to compare, or maybe you do compare. It's coming back to that kind of grounded point. And that for me, that's through a daily spiritual connection is if I can get there and if I can feel that, um, you know, feel the spirit of God's, feel his presence, feel connection with the, the infinite, then I can get to that place where I feel better connected and I'm receiving that validation in the right way. So I think practical takeaway with this is the world isn't going to not beat you down and Satan isn't going to not try these tricks on you. He is. And I think it's empowering to just know that, accept it and be ready for it. You know, kind of like any good coach in sports is going to empower and prepare their athletes to know what they're up against. Right. And so I think that what we have to know is that there are tricks, there are there are pitfalls. There are lots of things ahead of us that are going to try to pull us down. But if we can have that really strong connection with God, that's where we can have the very most solid self-esteem come from. And it's not like it's bad to hear people say nice things about you or to build you up. And certainly that's such a great thing within our communities and within marriages and within, I, I always try to encourage that with our children you know, having them cheer each other on. Those are great things. That's like Christ-like attribute to, you know, feel joy for the success of others. It's certainly such a good thing. But if you are relying wholly on that, it's going to let you down. I love in the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. He's playing basketball with his son and he says, I, it's been years since we've watched it, but he says something about like, yeah, I want to be a star. And he's, he kind of like shoots him down. And then he sees his son's face kind of drop and his his whole demeanor changes. And then Will Smith stops and he goes over to him and it's super powerful. He goes, don't ever let anyone, including me, tell you that you're not good enough or that you can't be exactly what you want to be. And that to me was a powerful thing to see, like a parent just owning that, like, I am also going to be imperfect at this. And I think that it's great to get self-esteem from lots of good sources out there, including your superiors at work or in church or people that you surround yourself with or your family members or, or community members or prominent people, whatever. It's great to have accolades, to have people tell you that you're great. I think it's wonderful. But if you are basing your self-esteem on that, those sources will let you down eventually. So the key is to really make your source of true self-esteem come from your higher power. And for us, that's our Heavenly Father. When you do that, your light will shine so much brighter and you will empower others to also 
shine brightly and feel that self-esteem and and want to know where are you getting this from? Where is this coming from? Why are you so happy? Why are you so confident? And then you can share it with them, which is so cool. I want to read this quotation by Marianne Williamson. It's often misquoted as Nelson Mandela, but actually Nelson Mandela was quoting Marianne Williamson. She says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine, as all children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. I love that. I love that quote. Um, and it just reminds me of the the Bible verse, let your light so shine that others may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. So right. I mean, it, like that's, that's what it, you know, what it comes down to. And I love to see that work. And I see that in ARP meetings or 12 step meetings, like one person shares and kind of gives permission, the unexplicit permission to, for others to share. And they're right. like, Hey man, like this person just shared this and I'm okay. I, I I'm okay to now share this challenge and and then it just a beautiful thing happens and people are sharing what's what's on their mind but um but i I feel like we see that too in a physical sense right like we see people who are coming in who are just broken because they have given the power of a substance or a chemical or a something that is super destructive externally to make them feel whole to make them feel okay but it's never enough. It only works until it doesn't anymore, as one of our good friends in the 12 Steps says. And alternatively, you see most of these people, not everyone does it, but the people who actually embrace the 12 Steps, who actually work the program, you see the light come back into them because the whole entire 12-step program of Alcoholics Anonymous that is used from all over the world, millions and millions of people have gotten success out of this is that they turn their validation to something higher than themselves. It does not work unless you have a higher power. Even for someone who's an atheist, you cannot work the 12 steps unless you acknowledge a power greater than yourself to give you that self-esteem. And as we watch people specifically in our program turn their life over to Jesus Christ, they just emulate light and then good things start to come to them and good things start to happen. They, they, it's like Neil says, you know, it's like the country song played backwards or whatever. What is that that you love to say? The, the, well, there's a country song that talks about, um, you know, uh, what does it sound like when a country song is played backwards? It's like, you get your dog back, you get your wife back, you get your, your, you know, your life back. So it's, <laughs> uh, it's just kind of a funny but but we've seen it right over and over again with people who I mean depths of despair kind of thing where you they come in with these gnarly stories and you're like oh man I don't know if there's any coming back from that one and then they do and then they turn their life around and you watch these miracles happen where people are joyful and happy and and they're like the AA saying happy joyous and free 
it's true. It's real and it works. So uh, my testimony to you is that even if you're not an addict, if you're a, a normie, as we call them in the, the meetings like me, what I'm trying to say is whether you have an addiction or not, whether you identify with that or not, every one of us needs self-esteem. And the best way to get it is from that higher power, that higher source. And for me, that is my heavenly father and Jesus Christ. And every single time, it's perfect when I go to them. It's perfectly what I need in that moment to either gently push me toward becoming better or to just say, hey, Corinne, you know what? You're actually doing a lot better than you think you are. So just keep going. But whatever that message is that I need in that moment to feel self-esteem and to feel my true worth, it's perfect every time for me when I go to that perfect source. So I promise you, if you do that too, that you will find that and you will feel that. And the Heavenly Father's love is abundant and it's just waiting for you to embrace you and to make you feel whole and complete in the perfect way that you need it every single time. Yeah. And I mean, what I would close with is basically, I totally took the words out of my mouth on that is, you know, validation from God. Um, second to that would be, if there has to be a comparison, if, if it's, there must be some comparison. I love that concept of, well, you know, let me compare myself to, to how I used to be, mm-hmm. to how I am now. Um, and I think that that is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and brings in instant gratitude, which then connects me to God, the infinite source. And then I receive that validation from him. It's amazing. I love that. Well, thanks for being with us, everybody. And thanks for listening in today. See you next week. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. Oh, 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 oh